Hello and welcome to the Encounter Mercy podcast. I'm your co-host, Deacon A.J. Gedney from the Diocese of Covington, Kentucky, and I'm joined here by the always joyous uh, Father Andrew Boyd of the Diocese of Erie. <laughs> wow, it's getting, that's getting really deep, and you're not the co-host, you are the host tonight. You're, you're leading me tonight in this, and like you normally do, because um, I'm bad about being the host anyway uh so it's good to be back here with you aj we had a interesting week i'm sure that for you at least a little bit how has your week uh been so far uh it's been busy and it's gonna get busier so there's uh, vacation bible school every morning um at the very end of the the day i give like a little um little blurb on some catholic item of the day so it's like the memorari prayer or one day's chrism things like that uh but tomorrow i've been tasked i'm playing david in some skit Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, so I, I have no idea what that's going to entail, uh, but that'll be my job. <laughs> uh, well, I'm, I'm going to make an assumption, unless there is a theme to the um, uh, week, it's going to be David from David and Goliath? I don't know. It's uh, like Treasure Island. Oh. Uh, it's, it's just, it's like the, the story time station. Uh, oh, there, there interesting. Like a high school, there was a narrator, and uh, the DRE was like, hey, you know, we need a, a David, I think it'd be good if you did it. Since you're like, you know, you're much older than all the kids. I was like, okay, sure. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, That's always fun. Yeah. Uh, I've enjoyed it when I've really gotten involved with, uh, with VBS before. Um, but let's see, I had a baptism last Sunday. Ooh. Uh, so that was really neat. And then uh, someone called from a funeral home. They need someone to do a committal. So I'll do okay. my first committal on uh, Wednesday. Um, Very good. So that's, it's weird to say excited, but I'm just... Um, looking forward what? to doing you know what we learn in class and to go exactly the right. and you're actually doing it um just like with the right yeah. of baptism or the right of marriage uh so that's been um, really cool kind of like you know i have a really full week uh using the extent of my uh, deacon faculties that's right yeah you're actually you're getting to do ministry and not just doing ministry but some sort of liturgical ministry you know you're getting to do liturgical things which is awesome yeah that's exciting those are very important experiences to have um uh, let's see, what, what did I do this week? Well, luckily so far uh, this week, I haven't had too many funerals, but, uh, I haven't had any yet, but last week between the pastor and I, I think we had, um, nine or 10 funerals. Mm. So it's been a, it's been a busy week here, but, um, you know, it's always enjoyable, but this week, Hey, if you're, uh, listening to this and want to give a hand to St. George parish, I would really love some help running wires. If anybody wants to come and pull wires in church with me, that'll be uh, great time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Tap those high schoolers for service hours. Yeah. Yeah. If I could trust them on a ladder, I would. <laughs> so, but it's, you know, it's, I'm really grateful. You know, so when I was in, in college seminary, I remember the rector telling us, oh, when a, when a conversation gets to talking about the weather, you know that the conversation is over. And no, I don't want this conversation to end, but I just want to say that I'm really grateful that this week the humidity seems to have finally broken here in uh, northwest, northeast Pennsylvania. What? Right? No, northwest. We're northwest. We're in the northeast part of the country. We're in the northwest part of Pennsylvania. I don't know. I'm bad with directions. I really shouldn't give or take directions. But um, northwestern Pennsylvania has finally broken the humidity, so I'm not dying every five minutes. In fact, you see even AJ, uh, Deacon AJ, I'm, I'm wearing my collar tonight, which is wow. not, um, I know, it's it's bizarre for this to be on me just because I sweat so much. So um, it's really comfortable here. I'm enjoying myself. And like I said, I'm not saying this to end the conversation. Rather, no. We get to talk about something that you got to do this past weekend, 
Uh, now, was it the first time that you've done a baptism or second? Second time. Yeah. yeah. So the first time it was um, it was a, a guy I went to I graduated from high school with um, and his wife actually went to the same high school, too. So that's kind of the connection there when the pastor asked me if I wanted to have it. Um, but this one was just, you know, um, I ran their little baptism class because um, the wonderful old lady who does it, she couldn't be there one day. And so she was like explaining it to me. And I thought, oh, man, like I get to teach the baptism prep class. Uh, yeah, so it was one of the couples from that. So that was cool, too. Um, you know, just like people will call the parish and need stuff, you know, you need to bring community to someone. They need a committal. Um, it's just cool to have that availability um, to do that. So, yeah. Yeah. Baptize another uh, another baby. Yeah, and so tonight, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about baptism, but um, maybe just before we start talking about baptism of infants, let's talk a little bit about what you and I learned with, well, did you have Father Cyprian for baptism preparation and all that? Yeah, is that deacon prep? Yeah, that was deacon prep, yeah. So we, you know, in our classes, we got to baptize little Chucky, the doll that he would <laughs> always come to life and attack us, but... Um, you know, those are interesting experiences to be able to have. Uh, so, I mean, let's talk a little bit about the ritual baptism um, and its, its importance of its uh, spiritual uh, nourishment that we have. So, uh, Deacon AJ, I'm going to throw you on the spot. What are, what's the uh, substance of the sacrament of baptism? Agua. That's correct. Aqua, water, uh, agua, whichever language you want to speak it in. Water, the importance of it. So, I mean, it's pretty obvious for most people, uh, I would say, that baptism means water. I mean, whenever we hear about baptism, we immediately think of Christ's own baptism and how he was baptized with water in the Jordan. Um, And the fact that, you know, uh, we got to see that and touch that with our own hands and our own eyes and being that experience, uh, you know, twice for me, it was a beautiful experience to be at Jordan. So water, water has so many different properties to it. It brings life, but it also can end life. You know, it doesn't take a lot of water to bring about life, but it also doesn't take that much water to end a person's life either. Um, So the importance of the death in that experience, but then also the rebirth. And we have all those other experiences of it with the the oils that we use, the oil of chrism, the oil of the um, catechumen, and then you have the oil, or not the oil, excuse me, uh, the candle and the white garment, which I'm sure we will definitely all get into. But these are good things to have in the forefront of our mind as we uh, talk about this sacrament. But Deacon AJ, tell me a little bit, what are we talking specifically about baptism tonight? I had a um, really good conversation with the uh, girlfriend of the brother of a really good friend of mine at this one friend's wedding. And she was raised even evangelical Protestant. And she, we talked for hours just about Catholicism. So she wasn't, um, she wasn't being confrontational or aggressive. It was just kind of cold, hard logic. Why do Catholics do this? Well, how about this? Or I was taught this, or I never heard this. So we just kind of went through a lot of, of the things. Um, and, what I've been doing when I have free time is just doing a little more research into some of those topics. And I think um, there are always big ones that Protestants get stuck on, you know, um, do we worship Mary and the saints, Um, uh, you know, the sacraments, the Eucharist, a lot of things like that. But one thing I wanted to get into was infant baptism, because I know with some churches, they wait until uh, the child is old enough, you know, reach the age of reason, as we would say, to decide for themselves. You know, yeah. for them, it's about being saved. It's about making that choice. You know, once saved, always saved. 
Um, so I looked through the catechism, found the section on baptism of infants, and then I had just been like kind of researching all the footnotes. Um, and I found some really, really good stuff. Um, cause I've learned with Protestants, I think the most effective place to meet them is in scripture because again, Absolutely. they have trouble with tradition. So, you know, there's stuff, there's great stuff that talks about the councils and all these saints and church fathers, but you know, worst case scenario in you're talking to someone who doesn't believe in anything related to tradition. You can just meet them at scripture. Absolutely. Yeah. That's so important. So key. Um, that's how uh, we are able to communicate with our friends uh, and brothers and sisters in other traditions of the Christian faith. So uh, I'm glad that you brought that up because uh, when we talk about this, it's not just some tradition that we're talking about. It, it's not just some decision that some person made. It, no, no, no. It, it goes all the way back to Christ himself and his decision and his uh teaching to us of that. So I'm glad that you bring that up because it's, I think it's something that we often forget. It's not just something that came about in the last hundred years. This has come all the way to us from the beginning of our church. Yeah. And um, I can mention a document where I got some of this information from, from a congregation for the, for the doctrine of the faith. It is called Pastoralis Oxio. It's released in 1980. And it's just literally a pastoral instruction on infant baptism. But just like you said, the the how old the tradition of baptizing infants, um, I think both Origen and St. Augustine, so you're talking about like 200s AD, 400s AD, they both said that infant baptism was a tradition received from the apostles and that it was never brought into, you know, these Catholic circles as a like new practice. Like, no, it was, it was, right, like, right. It was always done like this. Um, and that document says, like both in the East and the Western churches, the practice of baptizing infants um, was considered a rule of immemorial tradition, like from Christ, from the apostles. So you, you, you can't get any older than that. It's not something the church made up or started doing. It's something she's right. always done. Yeah. Yeah, that's really important to pay attention to um, because it's 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 just the continuation of the church's mission. It's a continuation of the following of Christ, that call to teach uh, preach and baptize. So um, it's good that we bring this topic up because I'm sure there are many people that have that question, why are we baptizing uh, when people, it's supposed to be that remission of sins, that renunciation of our past way of life. How can a child um, remit their sins? How can they even know that they have any sins um, uh, when they're just an infant? You know, as the church, we don't have uh, any reconciliation for any child that is under the age of seven, the age of reason. So how is it possible that a child could make that decision? Well, it's not so much just the fact that it is the um, acceptance of Christ into their life at baptism, but it's so much more that, so much more important than that. So, Yeah. Um, yeah, let's start with the scripture part, which I think was interesting. And I, I'd always known this, but in the old, in the New Testament, especially like in Acts of the Apostles, is when the disciples encounter someone, there's this great conversion, they convert the one guy, and then they go back and they convert his whole family. So like, uh, let's see, chapter 16 of Acts, uh, chapter 18, it just talks about, you know, um, when Lydia and her household are baptized, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come and stay at my home. Um, or when Paul and Silas are jailed, uh, and they're released, they take care of the, or the, um, the guard takes care of their wounds. And then it says he and his entire family were baptized without delay or Christmas, the synagogue official, same thing. Or even St. Paul in his first Corinthians talks about 
how he baptized the household of this guy named Stephanus. Um, and I think the biggest one with John 3, 5, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. So my question to, you know, my Protestant friends is why would we, why would you deny a child this? Like, why would you wait? Absolutely. Like what if they died before they got to choose baptism? Like, right. No, exactly. The body of Christ decides and it's an organic thing. You know, your parents are part of the body of Christ. We want to incorporate you into that body. Um, just like your parents gave you physical life, they bring you to the church to give you spiritual life, as the uh, the right says. Right, yeah, because you're absolutely right in posing that question, because it is denying the first of all the sacraments. The only way that you can receive any other sacrament, uh, and really, truly, that sacramental grace that we receive from the sacramentals is by first receiving baptism. You know, before COVID and hopefully after COVID, we'll finally be able to have the, the the fonts of water at the entrances of our churches and the efficaciousness that we know from uh, blessed water, how important that is. And so if we are not even baptizing our children first uh, right away, um, they're not receiving those graces that are present to them and are available to them. It's something that it's almost as if you then get to say, well, you don't get that yet. Mm -hmm. Well, why not? Like what, what have they done to deserve to not get that blessing, that grace from the father? Yeah. Um, you know, especially in the gospels, Christ speaks very highly of children. You know, we should be like children, you know, um, in regard to loving God, our father, you know, Christ says that the little children come to me and even says like, woe to you who prevent the little children from coming to me, you know, for the kingdom of God is given to those such as these. So, if God is, if Christ is saying, you know, let the children come to me, well, what, what better way than to be incorporated into, into his body than by baptism? Exactly. Uh, yeah, there's that. And there's always uh, the end of uh, is it Mark's gospel where it says, go out to all the world and, you know, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say like, oh, just adults or it doesn't say just certain people. No, like everybody going out to the gospel right. to every creature. That's right. Yeah, exactly. It's it's very clear. This is the whole purpose of the gospel, to preach, teach, evangelize, but most importantly, to baptize, because that that is the number one thing Christ has given us to do. He doesn't say, I want you to go out and heal the sick or heal the uh, or, or uh, clothe the naked. No, no, his number one thing that he says to us is go and uh, preach the gospel by baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I like how you said uh, it's the foundation of the other sacraments, and I forget where I saw it, but I saw some blog post written by a priest, and he relates every other one, or every other sacrament to baptism. So, like for example, uh, like reconciliation is there's also a forgiveness of sins. Like it is when you leave the confessional, it is as if you were just baptized. Um, so I, I forget I have to look for it, but I just found that very profound. Is it links every single one of the other sacraments back to baptism because, like you said, exactly. it's the foundation of everything. Yeah, and it's important that we recognize that, that there is a reason why um, it is it's so important is because it is the first, right? You cannot receive, truly, you can't, uh, it doesn't matter if, you know, for instance, I'm dealing with a situation where the one person is unbaptized and the other part of the couple is baptized, and so they're coming for the sacrament of marriage. Well, it's not a sacrament for the one that's unbaptized. It's not a sacrament for the one that's baptized either, because 
it's missing that union, right? There's that missing of the union of the uh, connection of the baptized people, you know. So it's it's a it's recognized as an opportunity, but you have to have special permission from the bishop, right? Because the only ones that can administer the sacrament are the couple. And if one has never received any of the other sacraments of initiation, they can't administer the sacrament of marriage. That's one of the requirements to be the administer of the sacrament of marriage is to be a baptized Christian. So it's just, it's that experience there that we uh, need to recognize is that this is the first and foremost of all the sacraments. It's the one that starts our process as Christians. And it's the one that we, that all of the other sacraments, even the sacrament of the Eucharist first finds its um, uh, basis in and if you look at it, it's it's the first thing that Christ did to start his public ministry. And so it's important that we have that basis. Yeah, that's another thing. Um, when I was talking to my uh, friend's girlfriend about that is I was just kind of on the fly trying to think of, okay, well, why does why, do, why does the Catholic Church promote infant baptism? But I said that. I said, so, if, you know, Christ is to be our example in everything, right? He became, he was yes. true man. So he yes. suffered, he was happy, and we are to do our best to follow in his footsteps and do as he did. And so I thought, I told her like, well, why was Christ baptized? Like, you know, through him, all things were made. He is God. He's divine. He's a divine yes. person. Yes. Why did he do it? Well, I said, you know, well, his baptism made the waters of baptism themselves holy. And then I also said, for an example, like, why would Christ do something and not want us to also do it? Yes. Yeah, Absolutely. So we, uh, this is a first step in all of our faiths is to understand why Christ has chosen to make baptism when he has. Yeah, and I think uh, it's always funny when you meet people of other denominations and they say, yeah, we wait for them to choose for themselves. Uh, to which I always say, man, I'm 29 years old and I make dumb decisions all the time. So yeah, it, like, yeah. Why would you leave that to chance? Baptism, like it's a gift you know, your parents brought you into this world and give you the gift of life, and then they can give you the gift of eternal life, right? If they so please through baptism in the church. So I've always thought it funny, like, wow, you know, I don't think I'll ever stop making mistakes or bad decisions. So what happens is, you know, your child's 10 and you ask him or her, like, do you want to be baptized? And they go, no. Because um, I remember watching a baptism uh, up back at St. Vincent. I was at a mass nearby in um, Ligonier. And it was about baptism during mass. And I just remember how profound one of the prayers was. I forget what it is. It's toward the end of the, end of the right. But it talks about that gift of eternal life. And I had this thought, and I thought, the worst case scenario, what if they're in, the family is in a terrible car wreck after church and the child passes away? Well, the parents just gave him the gift of eternal life through baptism. So that child would go straight to heaven, like no questions asked. Yep. Like, what, what a gift of, that a parent could give their child. Like what a gift! So, yep. like we mentioned before, you're if parents wait, you're denying your child that grace. You're like, yeah. what parent would want to deny their child? What parent would want to deny their child something so good? Yes, exactly, exactly. What do you think? Did that come through? Sorry, hang on. Something happened on my end. Um, I'll have to cut this section out because all of a sudden one of our episodes just started playing in the background. <laughs> Hang on. I got to pause the recording. Uh, so as Catholics, you know, one of the things we are enriched by in our church is tradition. And so in this document, 
uh, that I mentioned before from the Vatican. He first goes through all the scripture, which I kind of mentioned. And the really cool part is the mag goes through magisterial teachings on it. And it is, I mean, these paragraphs are full of all these councils. Um, yeah. You know, it's like Council of Carthage in 418, Council of Vienna in 1312, Council of Florence in 1442, uh, of course, Trent. Um, and he talks about even Vatican II. So I think from, you know, we have the Catholic Church has never stopped teaching this. Um, and in fact, I think one of those councils, the uh, Council of Carthage in 418, it condemned people who said that infants should not be baptized. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I quote, even babies who are yet unable to commit any sin personally are truly baptized for the forgiveness of sins for the purpose of cleansing by rebirth what they have received by birth, end quote. Um, so that I is think, so important. That yeah. is so important. Not to interrupt too much, but that nope. that is so important, that line there about how it's about the rebirth, the rebirth, and the fact that, um, you know, Christ says very clearly, like, it's about um, you being reborn because, and then the, uh, the person comes back at him and says, well, what do you mean? I have to re-enter my mother's womb. No, 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 no. Yeah. Nicodemus. Thank you, Nicodemus. That, you know, no, it has nothing to do with you re-entering your mother's womb. It's entirely about the sacrifice that Christ made for us. Um, you know, is that our rebirth is through a death and this death is this, uh, baptismal experience. Yeah. Isn't that cool? Um, just there's so much symbolism in baptism like you said earlier in this podcast uh not enough water can kill you uh too much can kill you um and and it both so water is both a sign of life and death think about when the uh when moses and the israelites crossed the red sea it was divided to give them life and then it closed back on the egyptians and they all died so yeah. it is birth and death and i know especially in the very early church like the first couple hundred years um you know, it, it was symbolic. You walk people, these adult converts walk down to these huge baths, um, completely naked, and they were submerged yeah. three times. So like, you know, you turn your back on the west where the sun sets, where, you know, Satan symbolically is, and you come up to the east where the sun is rising and you see and you dress to Christ. Um, so it's yeah, it's there's so much in there as far as death and birth. You know, you, you are dying to sin, you're rising to life in Jesus. Um, and I think that's why it's so beautiful with the, when the symbols of baptism are present at funerals too, um, you know, like the casket or the urn is sprinkled with holy water in the beginning. Uh, there's the Paschal candle, there's the pall, which is symbolic of that white garment. Uh, so it all comes full circle. Right, exactly. And so that rebirth, that constant rebirth, that constant dying to self, you know, something uh, trying to connect back into what you and I have experienced uh, with St. Vincent's and being our place of seminary, our place of formation, is the fact that um, St. Benedict reminds us over and over again to die to self, to die to our self-wants, our self-cares. And so it's that constant rebirth through baptism. You know, the, the baptism itself, this, the forgiveness that it brings of our sins, yes, is a one-time experience, is a one-time thing, but it's that constant recognition of our baptismal call to that rebirth in Christ. It's something that is going to continue to um, cause us to journey forward. And so, yes, we baptize infants, and it's it's a once-and-done thing, especially as Catholics. Like, that's something important to remember, too, is it's a once-and-done thing. You can't be re-baptized. So, you know, just because you're baptized as a child, there's no re-baptism as an adult. But what it is is a recognition, and that's why earlier I brought up the fonts that we have 
at our uh, entrances of our churches <clears throat> is that 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 is to remind us and recall to us of our baptismal promises, which we profess every single Sunday. So it's not just like a once and done thing as a child. It's something that every single one of us have to actively decide on every single day of our life to uh, take up the mantle of baptism. Yeah, that, that's a really good point with, uh, you know, the, this parent's maybe of Protestant persuasion where they say, oh, I want my child to decide for him or herself. Like, no, it's a good thing, you know, when the time comes, but it's for them to embrace their faith. So you gave them the gift of faith through baptism, and there will be a time when they'll have to decide for themselves, you know, like when they go up to college, they'll decide, well, do I go to mass or not? Or they'll decide, right. you know, do I keep praying or not? So I think for every child and for every parent, like there's a time when it comes upon oneself to choose your faith, whether you're going to continue it or not. But yeah, uh, that forgiveness of sins, that remission of original sin that your parents gave you, that's, that's just a pure gift. You know, we don't ask for it, uh, but it was given to us out of love. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, it's extremely important that we continue to recognize the sacraments in our daily lives. And like we've said throughout this entire episode, and like we said a few weeks back when uh, Vince and I were just talking about baptism in general and its importance for our daily lives, but that we baptize at such an early point in the lives of believers so that the, the graces, the graces that are available in all of the other sacraments, in the participation of the Mass, that the efficaciousness, right, the, the um, completeness of those graces are received into the life of the child and into the lives of the family. Because someone else receiving sacraments in a family also can bring those graces to everybody else around. So we want to encourage everyone that if you have any questions about infant baptism, you know, send us a message or go and talk to your priest. Uh, because it's really an important uh, sacrament, not just because we keep harping on it. And it is the first of all the sacraments, but because of its high uh, esteem that we have of it in the church and why we feel the need that um, all people are to be baptized because Christ gave us that commission. Yes. Now, Father Andy, do you know what the date of your baptism was? Yes. I asked my mother, let's see, I was born on May 2nd of 92. I believe it was June 8th of 92, which is also interesting because my ordination date anniversary is June 8th of 2018. Whoa. I asked because uh, we know our favorite uh, vice rector from the seminary yes. always asks and it's, you know, he'll ask people, especially in a homily, you know, raise your hands if you know your baptism date. And then for him, an unsatisfactorial or, uh, number of people, always, yeah. He's always like unsatisfied with the number of people, and he's like, "Look that up." And, but to his point, it's like, yeah, it's the foundation of your life as a Christian, and you know, your birth into the church. Uh, so yeah. I think I said no once, and I looked it up, and so now I know. Uh, so I think mine's May sixth, ninety two. Okay, okay. Oh, that's yeah, yeah. So wait a minute, remind me when's your birthday? Uh, March twenty fifth. That's right. You are older than me. That's right. That's awesome. Uh -huh. I'm great. I'm, I'm still young. I'm still the youngest one. All right. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I won't rub that in too much. But yes, <laughs> I'm fairly certain it was June 8th, if I remember right with my mo my mother said. So uh, June 8th of 92, and then 26 years later, that same day I get ordained a priest, which was really kind of cool. So, As I was uh, cool, a, um, 
you know, the church you're baptized in, they get all your sacramental records. That's so, right. So like I wasn't baptized in the Diocese of Covington. It was the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. Um, right. So, so it's cool, you know, so we make First Communion or, or Confirmation is the parish you're, you receive the sacraments in. We'll send a note to your, bapti your baptism parish and they have those like, you know, this big tomes, this big sacramental books. Um, yep. So it's cool to think, you know, mine is going to say, oh, I named a priest, right? You know, in the little margins, because sometimes it'll say yeah. like married or, you know, or if someone was annulled, but it's cool because in, in that one, it'll say like ordained a priest. Yeah. And yeah. Too. It's, it's really funny because, um, uh, side note, uh, this now kind of deals with annulments, but also marriages in general. Um, so if you're ever wondering why an annulment, we're like, okay, where were you baptized? Well, it's not with the church that you receive all your other sacraments. Like that doesn't matter. All the other churches that right. you receive sacraments in have to report to the church of your baptism where uh, all, all of that has happened to you in your life. So if you're coming in for an annulment, the priest is going to say, you got to know where you were baptized. We got to figure that out because um, that is extremely important. So, but, um, funny story. When I was applying to start out at St. Vincent Seminary, um, I don't know if they required this of you, but they asked for a copy of my parents' um, marriage certificate from the church. Hmm. And my mother's name is Margaret Mary. And my grandmother's name is Mary Margaret. So when I got the copy of my baptismal certificate, I immediately went back to the church. I said, this is the wrong information. So what do you mean? I said, it says here that my grandmother married my father. Yeah. Well, maybe, and the, the secretary said to me, maybe you just don't know your mother's real name. I said, no, 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 I'm not that dumb. I know my mother's real name. Her name is Margaret Mary Church Boyd. And my grandmother's name is Mary Margaret Randazzo Church. This is wrong. And so they had to go back in uh, after however many years at that point they were married and finally adjust the register in the church. Oh. It had been wrong wow. since their very marriage date that uh, they had to go back and fix it. So it's just kind of funny how those human errors can jump in like that. So completely nothing to do with uh, baptism at all. But just it's interesting how everything like that is stored and kept the, in the, the church. The importance of records. Yes, very important of record. So, and if you don't know your baptism date, make sure that you ask mom and dad, or if mom and dad aren't around, see if you can find a copy of your certificate or find out where you were baptized and what year you were baptized in and contact your, that's right, contact the church that you were baptized in. It's extremely important, not just because Father John Mary, Alleluia, says that you must have it, but honestly, in all seriousness, it is the date that you became a true member of the church and the date that you brought were given the mantle of Christ's life, death, and resurrection and have been purchased by the blood of the cross into the eternal kingdom. So celebrate that day. Make it important. Make it special. I always encourage parents that are going through baptism classes to remember that this isn't just some stupid thing that Father Andy's saying. This is a really important day for all of us to remember and celebrate because of the graces that it brings. So let us pray together for all of our children, for all those who are entering into our churches throughout the different times of the year. Remember that it's not just at Easter that people become Catholic and are baptized. Uh, baptized and born again into the faith. It's throughout the entire year. Let's give thanks to God for those people and the importance that it plays in our daily lives. Great. Good work. Uh, thank you for listening to the Encounter Mercy podcast. Please check us yes. out wherever podcasts are bought and sold. Uh, check us uh, out on EncounterMercy.com. Uh, 
like, comment, subscribe. Just kidding. That's YouTube. Um, well, I mean, someday we'll get there. Well, and the other thing is if, if you're buying, if you're paying for this podcast, <laughs> I want you to know that, boy, um, I don't know where your money's going, but it sure isn't going to us because um, we're not accepting any money for this. So um, I would, I'd investigate that if I were you, if you're paying for this. <laughs> so, but we appreciate you uh, sharing us. Make sure you share this some way or another. That is your uh, second task. Yeah, I, the little known footer, you know, uh, it says that Christ said, go preach, teach the gospel and baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and share the Encounter Mercy podcast. You know, all those years ago, 2000 years ago, he knew that we were going to be doing this. So yeah, it's, it's in uh, an old he, manuscript. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Some some scholar some time ago left it out of the uh, current translation. So make sure you share us with your friends and family and uh, give us a call or send us a message if you have any questions, comments or concerns. And we hope to hear from you soon. Until then, have a wonderful night. If it's nighttime for you, it is for us. Uh, God bless you all, and we will talk to you very soon. Bye.